Well, happy Sunday morning, Journey family. How are you guys doing today? I love that. Well, I am so excited to be in church. My name's Abby. I'm one of our pastors here. And appropriately enough for this weekend, I'm also a mom. So happy Mother's Day to all of our moms out there. We all know you guys are the real MVPs, all right? And so we're so excited to be here kicking off this brand new series called Open Mic. A big welcome to all of our JFAM joining us online and everyone at our Hocassin location. We love you guys. We're so grateful to be one big church family here across Journey City. And the series we're kicking off today, Pastor Mark actually set it up last weekend with a great reminder that this year we do not have to fill our summer with should-haves. We can take that step. We can go all in with God. It was such an encouraging message, um, just so powerful. And I was reminded so much how humbled I am, how grateful I am to serve alongside a lead pastor like Pastor Mark and Susie. Aren't you guys grateful for the incredible leaders that God has sent our church Yes, I love them so much. I know he loves you. He misses you when he is gone. And he set this up for us last week, this theme verse we're going to look at, which is simply one big idea that we're going to unpack week by week in this series. So I know it's May. I know you got a lot of things going on, but I want to encourage you, be here every week of this series so you get to, to capture each part of this. And this verse is found in the book of Ephesians. It was written by a guy named Paul. And what I love about Paul is his story, I think, is, is probably like the story of many of us. He was once very far from God, uh, but he had this life-changing experience with Jesus, and it changed the trajectory, not just of his life, but the life of hundreds and thousands of other people that he impacted. And so in what we're about to read, he is writing a letter to a group of people in the city of Ephesus, and he's telling them how valuable they are to God. He's telling them that they have a purpose. And here's what he writes. This is Ephesians 2.10. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. And what I love about this verse is that I don't believe this is just a message for the Ephesians. It's a message for each of us. And we're going to focus on the very first part of that verse today, that we are God's masterpiece. And so speaking of masterpieces, how many parents out there have ever begrudgingly treated every piece of paper their child brings home like a masterpiece? Okay. I said begrudgingly. I didn't say you wanted to. I said that you did it. Um, I give all the teachers out there, I mean, you guys are incredible, but why all the papers? There are so many papers that come home from school, and the problem with kids is that they're little hoarders, man. I mean, they want to keep every single piece of paper. A couple of weeks ago, my six-year-old Luca went on a field trip to the Delaware Recycling Center, and let me just tell you, they did their job because anytime we go to throw out anything, he's like, stop. We could reuse that. You know, a cardboard box, a yogurt container, and I'm like, listen, you're right. We could reuse it, but you and I both know you're not going to. I'm going to give it to you. You're going to take it to the playroom, and the playroom is where all things go to die, right? It's going to be filled with ants. I'm going to throw it away in a couple of weeks, along with a million other things when you're not home, so you can't stop me. So let's just do it now and call it a day. 
But that is the problem with kids. They always want their own way, right? And as adults, let's just be honest, many of us want the same thing most days. We think that we're right. Kids always think that they know what's best for them. And now, as, as a kid, I always thought I knew what was best for me. I did not. But now as an adult, I know that that old adage really is true, that moms know best. I know you're not gonna reuse the yogurt containers. Let's just throw it away now. Sorry to the, all the environmentalists in the room. Let's just throw it away now. And the, the, the issue with this is that moms know best, but, but kids don't always understand that. And maybe for you, depending on, on how you grew up or your story, maybe that wasn't completely true for you that your mom knew best. Maybe your mom really struggled and you had a difficult relationship with her. She really hurt you. But chances are that you had some sort of mom knows best figure in your life. Somebody who was a little bit older, a little bit wiser, a little bit more experienced, who could speak into your life. They knew what was best for you. And even though, even if deep down you knew that they knew what was best for you, you didn't always want to listen. Because for all of us, myself included, it can be very hard to accept this idea that someone other than me knows what's best for me. None of us want that. All of us think that we know what's best for us. We know what we think, we know what we feel, we think we know the future, so why could someone else tell us what to do or what is best for us? And if you can relate to any part of that idea of always thinking you know what's best for you, then you're gonna be able to relate to today's story because we're reading about the Israelites who were a group of people who God created and loved, but they did not always love him back. Even though he, he loved them, he had a purpose for them, they had a really hard time believing that he really knew what was best for them. And so we're gonna read today some verses from Isaiah 29 that was written by the prophet, of, uh, the prophet Isaiah to this group of people the Israelites, and here's how it starts. It says, so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. So because of this, I will once again astound these hypocrites with amazing wonders. The wisdom of the wise will pass away, and the intelligence of the intelligent will disappear. So, I need some crowd participation. We've got to wake ourselves up this morning, all right? If you're online, some crowd participation. You can participate in the chat. Any of us ever hear that phrase, actions speak louder than words? Yes. Actions speak louder than words. Perfect example, my six-year-old saying, I'm going to reuse the yogurt container. No, you are not. That is something that you are saying, but your actions are not actually going to follow it up. And that's what's happening here for the Israelites, they are saying that they believe in God, but their actions don't back it up. Many of them are actually just going through the motions of faith, but they're not really doing it out of devotion for God. It's very similar to what we heard in King Joash's story last weekend, that he was going through some of the motions, but he wasn't going all in with his faith. And so God is, is calling these people out. He can't stand their hypocrisy. And the truth is that God hates hypocrisy, but maybe not for the reasons that we think. I think some of us have been told that God hates hypocrisy because he's perfect, we're not, and he wants to remind us of that every moment of every day. It's like a power play for him. 
And there's truth in that statement. God is perfect. We are not. We have all at some point in our lives thought, said, or done something that fell short of God's best for us. But God doesn't hate hypocrisy because he hates us. God hates hypocrisy because he loves us. And he wants to get to know the real us. God hates this hypocrisy when we try to pretend that we're something that we're not because God's greatest desire is to get to know the real us, not the propped up prideful version of us that we try to present to the world. God wants to know all of us. He wants to know our failures and flaws. He's not put off by those things. He's only put off by us pretending that those things don't exist. God will do anything to have a real relationship with the real us and he will go to great lengths to get us to see just how much he loves us. And so Isaiah continues like this in verse 15. He says, what sorrow awaits those who try to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their evil deeds in the dark? The Lord can't see us, they say. He doesn't know what's going on. So spoiler alert, God always knows what's going on, right? This is not going to end well for them. But they're trying to, to convince their, themselves that they can hide from God. And right now, my, I've got a, a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And my four-year-old will do this thing where he covers up his face because he thinks if he can't see us, then we cannot see him. And I'm like, I literally can see you. you and he'll, you know, I'm like, I can see you. I can see you. But he thinks that he's hiding. And how many of us think we're doing a good job of hiding from God? We think that if we can't see him, then he can't see us. And for some of us, hiding doesn't just simply look like running as far away as possible from God. We're here, we're at church, we're gathering. But for some of us, hiding may look like going through the motions of faith rather than truly pursuing God for who he really is. We find ourselves doing things for God, but we are disconnected to God. Think about it. We're going to church, we're gathering in an environment like this, but then we're spending the other six and a half days of our week pretending like God doesn't even exist. And God won't stand for it, not because he hates us, but because he loves us. Some of us may be here today and we, we've gotten ourselves to this place in our faith where our faith is a have to instead of a get to. And God is inviting us to have a get to relationship with him, to remember that we get to be loved by the creator of the universe. We get to be known by him. But if we continue to think that God doesn't really know us, that God doesn't really see us, that God doesn't really know what's best for us, then we've got to realize we're just fooling ourselves. And Isaiah says it like this. He says, how foolish can you be? God is the potter, and he is certainly greater than you, the clay. Should the created thing say of the one who made it, he didn't make me? Does a jar ever say the potter who made me is stupid? Which I felt a lot of things saying this, because I don't let my kids say this word, but it is in the Bible, so we're going to say it this weekend. Does the potter uh, who made me consider it stupid? And I thought maybe that we could use an illustration. So... I brought my version of clay. This was the best that Amazon could do. Well, actually, let's be, you could probably get a whole firing kiln on Amazon, but that was a, that was a big commitment for this weekend. So we're just, gonna, we're just gonna use this, all right? So here's what he's saying. 
He's saying, hey, the potter is the one in charge. He makes the jar. He's the creator. So we're going to make a jar. This is me making a jar. Wondering why I'm not better at making a jar. This is not a great jar. All right, all right, all right. Let's see. Thank you. Somebody just said, that's a great jar. Thank you for that encouragement. A person was definitely a mom. That's what you do to your kids. <laughs> oh, that's a great, you're like, that's so great. What is it? <laughs> Tell me about your picture. <laughs> okay, so this is my jar. Not bad, right? Not bad. This is, this is our jar for today. Thank you. I love your pity claps. It's really, really encouraging. Thank you. So this is our jar. This is our jar. Um, but let's just call it what, it what it is. In this situation, I'm the potter. I molded it. I shaped it. Probably was not going to become a jar without me. But maybe we can give it a try because I brought some more Play-Doh here. And for this one, let's just see if we can wish it into existence, all right? Let's just see if we can make this one. It's a lump of clay, but maybe we can make it into a jar, all right? Let's see. Please be a jar. <laughs> Please be a jar. This is my best Peloton encouragement. You got it inside of you. You can be a jar. <laughs> not a jar, people. It's not a jar. So this one required me. It required somebody to mold it and shape it. We couldn't just, this lump of clay could not will itself into existence to become a jar. So look at these words again from Isaiah. He says, how foolish can you be? God is the potter, and he is certainly greater than you, the clay. Should the created thing, with all its imperfections, say of the one who made it, he didn't make me? Does a jar ever say the potter who made me is stupid? Think about it. This jar would not exist without me. It would not exist without me molding it, shaping it, seeing it not just for what it is, but what it could be. It required me. And the same thing is true of the Israelites, and the same thing is true of every one of us. We were created on purpose, for a purpose, by the creator of the universe. Because when it comes to our lives, there's one simple truth I want us to leave with this weekend. And it's like, God knows best. Moms are not the only ones who know best. God knows best. And God created every single one of us as his masterpiece. He has more for us. Now, some of you today may have some trouble believing this idea that God really knows best. And truthfully, I do too. I have times in my, li in my life where my version of what's best and God's version of what's best do not seem to align. And I have won that battle with God 0% of the time. But you can keep fighting. You, you keep on fighting. Maybe you will be successful. But I think many of us do. And there's lots of different reasons for us that we don't really believe deep down that God knows what's best for us. Some of you are here today, and maybe you don't even really believe in God, much less that God is the creator of the universe. And I want you to know that's okay. This is a safe place. This is real church for real people. You can bring your doubts. You can bring your objections. But you may be sitting there and thinking, well, like, hey, I don't really know how I got here. I'm going to guess that it's just random, blind chance. And you're thinking, well, hey, like, if God didn't create you, 
Why would you ever listen to anything that God says? And that's a fair question. We're going to come back to it in a couple of minutes. Maybe some of you are here this weekend and you believe or you want to believe that God knows what's best, but you feel lost in your grief after losing the most important person in your life. You feel angry for some of the trauma that you've had to endure. You feel disappointed that that promotion you worked so hard for went to the person who hardly works at all. You feel frustrated at a spouse who seems so consumed by their work and doesn't pay any attention to you. You feel anxious about being around classmates who just seem to look down on you all the time. And if you're honest, you just feel let down by God. And you wonder, why would a good God let bad things happen to you if he really does care about you? And he really does know what's best. That's a fair question. And we're going to come back to it in a few minutes. Because maybe there's a final group of you, people who feel, maybe you feel like God made you wrong. You want to believe that God knows best, but you feel like God made you wrong. He made you too skinny, too fat, too weak, too male, too female. And you feel trapped in this body that you hate or a body that seems to hate you. And so how can you really believe that God created you purposely when you feel so out of place in your own body, in this world? And that is also a fair question. We're going to come back to you in just a few minutes. The thing about all of those beliefs is that they all compete with this big idea that God really does know best, that we are his masterpiece. And I want you to know that if you have some of those competing beliefs, you are not alone. The Israelites did too. All of us have in this fight of faith. But I want us to take a moment and step back. Because I think so often, not just in church, but in society, we are told what to believe, but not actually why to believe it. And I'm not here to force my beliefs on you. In fact, I don't want to do that. If you want someone to force their beliefs on you, just open social media. There are many willing participants to try to force their worldview on you. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not even going to try to tell you, hey, this is what God says is right. This is what God says is wrong. No, I'm here to share a perspective about God and about who God really is. Because I believe that once we understand who God really is, our lives change. Now, our objections do not just disappear. I think that's sometimes where we get it wrong. We think that once we believe in Jesus, all of our doubts, we have to leave them at the door. No, that's not what faith is like. Our objections do not disappear, but over time, our desire to obey someone who gives everything for us becomes greater than our greatest objections. Those things no longer rule our lives. And so earlier in the book of Isaiah, we read a prophecy or just a vision of the future, something that God tells Isaiah is going to happen at a future time. And Isaiah's words that we're about to look at show us who God really is, the real character of God, a God who had a plan for us all along, a plan for our lives to live free and found. It shows us that God really is the potter and he is the one in charge creating something new and fresh and redemptive and that from the very beginning of time, the potter had a plan for us and his name is Jesus. And so here's what we read in Isaiah 11, it says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. He's talking about Jesus. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, 
the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. If we have ever struggled to believe that God knows best, maybe it's because we didn't have a clear picture of who God really is. And if we want a clear picture of who God really is, we simply have to look to Jesus, who was fully human and fully man, who understood what all of us have gone through. If you've ever been judged by your appearance, if you've ever been misunderstood, if you've ever experienced injustice for the color of your skin or where, you're com- where you've come from, if you've ever been treated unfairly, if you've ever been betrayed, then you can know that someone was sent to see you in your pain because he experienced it too. His name was Jesus. And this was God's plan from the very beginning. He molded it. He shaped it into existence, and it wasn't always easy. Think about it. Jesus' greatest moment of physical pain, hanging on that cross to die for our sins, his greatest moment of pain was also his greatest moment of purpose, but that's how God shaped it. That's how God molded it into existence, because we've got to remember that God knows best. He knows best. He sees what we don't see. And God knew from the very beginning our tendency to be prideful, to try to figure it all out on our own, to stress and overwork and disregard him. So he sent a savior to save us from all of that striving. And I think we have to remember this right here, this was, maybe for some of you it still is, our lives without Jesus We can try to mold and shape our own lives. We can try to pursue that job. We can try to pursue that relationship. We can try to pursue that degree, but at the very end, we just end up like this lump, empty, purposeless, void. This this lump, I think about it, can be a paperweight, but it's not good for much else. But when we put our faith in Jesus and we realize the way that God has always seen us, imperfect but created with a purpose. Think about this jar. It's not perfect, but it's useful. This doesn't have a whole lot of use, but this is useful. I could drink water out of it if I want my water to taste like Play-Doh. I could put money in it. It could be a makeshift piggy bank. Uh, Any of you who have been here for the last few weeks know that Pastor Mark has been super into eating things on stage. So this could like hold some pretzels or a snack. For his next message, it's not perfect, but it's useful. And think about it. A jar was created to hold something inside of it. And so jars do not just judge. They simply do what they were created to do, hold something inside of them, the love and the light of Jesus. Hold something inside of them. And so often we can battle and feel like what we have in our jar is, is just not enough. I know for the last couple of years, I have felt like I've been 
in a battle with God. Again, he's winning, um, so I'll learn sometime. But I've been in this battle with God when it, when it comes to the jar of my motherhood. And I know some incredible moms, some of you who are watching who are here right now, incredible moms who just spent their whole lives wanting to be moms. They loved kids, they would babysit. I changed one diaper before I became a mom. It's always so wild to me. To get a driver's license in this country, you have to take a test, but you have a baby, and they're just like, good luck. You got this. And I'm like, what, what makes this look like I got this? Probably the smile on the outside. Inside, I'm like, how do you do this? How do you do this? And somebody, people would, would always tell me, like, hey, your mom gene will kick in eventually. But if I'm honest, some days, six and a half years in, I feel like I'm still waiting for that super secret mom gene to kick in. Because honestly, most days I, I just feel like it's, it's a struggle. I look at other great moms. People, they seem so kind with their kids, so patient. They have boundless energy for them. Their houses are so clean. I bought a Roomba a couple of weeks ago so that I have a robot that cleans my house, and my house is still not clean. I left with Cheerios all over the floor this morning. I was like, oh, we'll deal with this later. <laughs> we'll deal with this later. And this has been a big struggle for me. Because I'm around these incredible moms and I see my boys who deserve somebody who is kind and patient and loving. And so often I feel so far from that. A couple of weeks ago, um, I was hosting an online run through for our JFAM and somebody took this photo which I thought perfectly illustrated motherhood, yes. Yeah. You can't make this stuff up. Um, best part, unpictured, is my four-year-old Graham, who as this was going on, was pulling on the cords to the video camera that cost more than his hospital bill. And so that's me, smiling on the outside. I'm like, it's great, welcome to the journey. Inside, I'm like, what is happening right now? And that so often feels like motherhood to me in a nutshell. Like smiling on the outside, okay, I can do this, we got this. But inside, feeling like I'm so unqualified. And I don't know if I can do this. And I would question God constantly. And then last December, we were in this year-end all-staff environment. And one of our pastors was praying and leading a moment. And he asked us what beliefs we needed to die to so that we could believe God for more this coming year. And instantly, I just felt like the, the Holy Spirit had said, you have to die to the belief that you're never going to be a great mom. Because I, I would have never said that, but deep down, always thought maybe I could be good enough, but I can, I can never be a great mom. I'm just, I'm too selfish. I'm too impatient. I'm too unkind. I'm just not enough to ever be a great mom. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, hey, that belief is not true. That's not from God. First of all, you don't define great. I do. I do. And listen, for all of us who consider ourselves a follower of Jesus, we have to remember, we no longer define great. The people around us no longer define great. God does. And the second thing that God reminded me of that moment is if God has called me to it, he will see me through it. He will put everything I need in this jar. He will allow me to pour it out. His strength will give me everything that I need. He's the potter. 
And he didn't make a mistake. He made me a mom. He made me a wife. He made me a friend. He made me a ministry leader. He knew what my life was going to be like. He determines the shape and the size of my jar, even with all the imperfections, and he determines yours too. So if you feel like you are pouring out of a jar that's never enough, that just means you have come to the end of your strength and the very beginning of God's. He has more for you. You were created to hold something inside of you, the light and the love of Jesus. And I think some of us may be refusing that. We're angry and we're upset at God because we don't trust that he really knows best. Some of us find ourselves so focused on what we don't have that we miss out on what we do have, what God has put in our jar. And we have to know that if we, have, if we consider ourselves a follower of Jesus, he's got a purpose for our lives. We are his masterpiece. He has filled us with spiritual gifts, experiences, time, talents, things that we can use to make a difference in the lives of others. So we have to stop focusing on what we don't have and just say yes to the God who gave us all of those things and gives us permission to make a difference for what we do have. And maybe that's you this weekend. You're not pouring out for others because you're so focused on all the imperfections or all the things that you don't have. Hey, God's given you everything that you need to make a difference in the lives of other people. Go to Plugged In Step 2 this weekend. Lead a J group this summer. Your house does not have to be perfect. Listen, I speed clean and put it all in a closet before people come over to my J group. It doesn't have to be perfect. I'm like, welcome. I'll take your coat. Don't put it, don't put it in that closet, right? But that's what we do. We find all of these reasons to talk ourselves out of the very thing that God has called us to do. You do not need to be perfect. Jars don't need to be perfect. They just need to be willing. And so as Isaiah finishes, he goes on to tell the Israelites that God, their potter, their maker, their king will redeem them. He tells them, hey, God's not gonna let you stay here. There will come a day where the deaf will hear and the blind will see and the humble will be filled with fresh joy from the Lord. The poor, not just the financially poor, those of us who recognize our great need for God will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel because God created you as a jar. And it is a jar that you can live a life joyfully when you stop focusing on everything that you don't have and simply start focusing on everything that you do have. God has given you more than enough to pour out because you're not pouring out you, you're pouring out him. His love, his grace, his joy, his strength, he is your source. Because at the very end of the day, we simply have to remember that God knows best. He didn't create you to be a cup. He didn't create you to be a plate. So stop battling with God about all the things you don't have and just say yes to serving him with the very things you do. He didn't make a mistake. You're his masterpiece. There is more for you. And this weekend, maybe you came in and maybe you walked in reluctantly. You've been trying to hide from God. You're like, maybe he can't see me. And maybe you've been hiding from God because you went 
to church at some point in your life and you expected them to love you and instead you felt like all you had to do was, was hide the parts of you that weren't perfect. And you just stayed in hiding. Maybe for some of you, you feel like you have to hide from God because of something that you have going on in your life and you've convinced yourself or someone else has convinced you that you're too far gone. Maybe you find yourself hiding from God because you've always considered yourself a highly intelligent person and you thought faith was for people who didn't really think, who didn't use logic. And you're hiding from God because it's hard for you to wrestle with this idea that you can have doubts and faith, they can coexist. It's just that when we have Jesus, one of them grows greater and greater and greater over time. And you find yourself hiding. And this weekend, if that's you, if you've been hiding from God and you've never yet said yes to a life-giving relationship with Jesus, I wanna invite you that this weekend can be your weekend. You don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to do anything. There are no man-made religious rules. All there is is a simple decision to believe in your heart and to say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And so I wanna invite all of us in this moment to pray together. And if that's you, you've never yet said yes to Jesus, but you want today to be your day. I'd love the honor of leading you in just a simple prayer. Jesus, I come to you. In this moment, I've admitted that I've been hiding from you. I've been trying to do life on my own. I've convinced myself that you've counted me out. But in this moment, I leave that all behind and I want to say yes to Jesus as leader and Lord of my life. I do not have to strive anymore. I do not have to try to hold it all together on my own. My faith is firmly in Jesus Christ alone. And as we all just stay in this moment together, if you prayed that prayer, you put your faith in Jesus today, would you just raise your hand? If you're in the room, if you're at Hocassin, raise your hand. Yeah, online, you can type faith in the chat. You can put those hands down and journey. Will you help me celebrate everybody saying yes to Jesus today? Oh, I love that. Most important decision you're ever gonna make in your life. And as we close our gathering today, we're gonna have an opportunity to worship God again together. But I do just wanna take a moment and honor some of our real MVPs, both in the room here at Newark, at Hocassin. And so if you are a mom, or maybe you're about to become a mom, you desire to be a mom, but God hasn't answered that desire yet. You're using your influence to be a mothering voice in this next generation. I want to invite you in this moment to just stand for just a moment. So all of our moms, come on, let's stand. All right, let's give it up for all of our moms. Moms, we love you. You rule the world. Hmm. So you can go ahead and have a seat. I love that. This has happened all weekend long. I'm like, moms, stand. And no one stands because that's what moms do. They're used to letting somebody else go first. And I want to take a couple of minutes here and I want to pray over you, especially for you as a mom. Because here's what I know about being a mom. We have a jar of motherhood. 
And it doesn't matter whether we've been a mom for five minutes, five years, 50 years, somewhere in between. It can often feel like that jar is just not enough, right? We're pouring out. We're pouring out love. We're pouring out encouragement. We're pouring out time. We're pouring out physical energy. And sometimes we feel like we can't pour out a single other drop. And we often feel like all those drops that we have poured out haven't, maybe haven't really done anything in the first place. It's exhausting. It's tiring. But I also know that when we feel like we come to the end of ourselves, that's when we come to the very beginning of God's strength. And there's a psalm that I've been reminding myself of over and over again the last couple of months. It's Psalm 4610. It says, surrender your anxieties, be still, and know that I am God. And moms, in this moment, I want to invite you to be still. Because how often does somebody allow you to be still, right? We go, we pour, we pour, we pour. But I think God is just speaking to us in this moment saying, be still. You don't have to do so that I love you. You simply have to be. Be still. So let's just be still in God's presence and pray to him, God, I pray right now over every mom in this room at Hocast and watching online, God, every mom who feels like she is just pouring out. God, I pray for the mom who feels like she has nothing left. I pray for the mom who is wondering if she can ever have her relationship restored. I pray for the mom who is struggling in her own relationship with her mom. I pray for the mom who feels like she is worn down, beat up, and exhausted. And God, I pray that in this moment, we would be reminded you are our strength, that we can be still and realize you are God. You will give us strength. You will give us perseverance. You will give us the ability to have one more conversation, to change one more diaper, to run back in the house one more time, to have one more conversation. God, you give it all to us when when we realize we are not the one holding the jar together, you are. I pray for fresh strength, fresh hope, and fresh peace over every mom this weekend. We thank you for it, and we offer that in your name. Amen. Amen.